Welcome to the Black Men Think Podcast. If this is your first time here, know that the views and opinions expressed by the Black Men Think Podcast, are those of the Black Men Think Podcast and not the individual members. With that being said we're about to be unapologetically, undeniably black. Enjoy. I just got one question for us. How can the Black Men Think Podcast contribute in a moment like this? Mm. Hmm. That's a crazy moment. Um, mm. Interesting question. I, I can say for me personally, there it's three things, right? Because I'm not the political guy. I, I don't know all of that all of that stuff. I'm still learning, but I don't know all this stuff. But it is three things that I know for sure. Number one, I want black people to stop dying. Number two, I want white people to white police officers to stop killing. And number three, we need leadership with an agenda. That's all I got. Hmm. Interesting. So, so say those again, bro. <clears throat> I want black people to stop dying. I want mm. white police officers to stop killing people. Mm. And I want us to find leadership <sighs> with an agenda. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like what I when you ask that, Chris, I feel like what I'm thinking connects to all of those, uh, J.D., I don't want to see us lose the message again, bro. Like, I feel like so often our message gets hijacked. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, you know, you, I mean, Colin Kaepernick is one of the best examples, right? Like, the man was peacefully protesting and it turned into a million different things. And what I've seen during this heightened time of, anger and rage and rightfully so, you know what I'm saying? From, from, from people in general, but definitely from us. Um, I feel like there are people already trying to hijack the message or misrepresent the message. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I, I feel like we, as a podcast, like we really have an opportunity to hone in on, on, on what, the message is from the black community right now. Um, but we're going to need some help. And, and yeah, that's the message for me. Man, that's what's a good point, uh, Mo. Uh, Brian, what about you, man? What, what, what do you think that we can contribute to this? Um, Man, I know for, for people specifically like myself, we got to lock arms with people who doing the work and the, uh, the right stuff. So I'm all about what JD said about leadership, because I mean, I'm not in the political game like JD was saying, but you know, whether it's financial or efforts or spreading the message, uh, I feel like people like me who just kind of, you know, we do our corporate thing and we go home and watch flea market flip and stuff like that. I think we gotta, we gotta show up. And not just, you know what I'm saying, pat our, our brothers on the back who are out here lift, doing the heavy lifting. So, 
I mean, that that that's what we got to do. We got to we got to start supporting the right people in the right way. So that's definitely that's leadership good. for me. I agree. Yeah, leadership is definitely, definitely important. Uh, Corey, what about you, man? What, what, what do you think? I think this platform, um, it it shows other people that we are um, it shows them that we are also um, thinking like them, because I'm sure there are other people out there that don't have platform as this or, you know, they don't have podcasts or whatever. And they be maybe thinking the same thing and they're tired of seeing uh, police brutality protests. Then it dies down and nothing happens. So what this podcast does, it, it, it shows people, man, it's, it's uh, other guys, black guys, they're thinking the same thing that we need a strategy. We need the right leaders in place. Um, that's, that's simply put, that's, that's the way I feel about this, what this podcast can do. Yeah. You know, that, that those are some good points for, for me personally, man, you know, I just think that we need to, it, it kind of hits on the same thing that you guys are talking about, but for us, since we're seven, black males, I think one of the biggest contributions we can make is just bringing seven very different, unique points of view about the situation. But at the same time, we're going to be transparent. Uh, we're going to, we're going to definitely make sure that we speak our truth to what we believe from our opinions, our facts, our experiences. But really at the end of the day, it's just really trying to move us from where we are now to where we're trying to go, whether that be one step towards in that uh, in that direction or whatever it may be. Uh, we're just trying to make sure that we shine a light on what we see are things that are, are wrong uh, or systematically inherently wrong, you know, and just try to really push us to that to that next level. Um, I think that's all we can do, you know, uh, in our perspective lives and our perspective field, you know. So, you know, for me, that's that's what I hope that we're coming off as. Uh, through this podcast uh chris what about you man that was a good question too chris yeah you know um for me i think just being a voice uh i mean look we've talked about it before that often uh black male black male voices are missing uh in these moments um and i think taking into consideration everything that's going on right now you know there's uh unrest and real anger around um, all of the situations going on, George Floyd and Brianna Taylor and just all the people. I mean, it's countless. I just think we just got to stand up and be a bold voice. And we just got to speak and speak up and speak from a place of this is how we feel and this is what we're going through and this is what we've experienced. And we just got to... Um, hold firm to that but then we just gotta stand up and then like make sure people are aware i mean look i i I don't want to take this in a different direction because i still feel like it fits but um marlon you brought this up and it's interesting because we got we got we got Corey on tonight and i think i'm fairly certain he'll have something to say this and actually we got brian on tonight as well but marlon you said that there are a lot of voices that are co-opting this moment yeah, man. And yeah. It's, it's really, really, really disappointing. But I want to call out something specific that you said. Colin Kaepernick, just a couple of years ago, 
I mean, I mean, <laughs> what two years ago, two three years ago at most, made the like his his whole career rested on you know kneeling because of police brutality. I mean, this dude was t- he, he was he was taken out to the cleaners, like I mean, dragged through the mud, literally. You know, ended his career. You know, all of the types of things that went on. So we don't got to go down that road. But to literally see Roger Goodell in the NFL put out the statements and York from the uh, 49ers. Bruh, trash, trash. Literally, literally trash. acknowledged exactly what he said the entire time. I got a problem with that. And then people want to big up point, and Chris. talk about like, yo, all oh, the NFL is doing this. And Roger Goodell did like, nah, they they on the bandwagon That's- right now because as you can see, all of the kind of corporate responses are kind of trickling in on this right now because you don't want to be on the other side of the fence. So I just got a problem with that in particular. There's a lot that I have a problem with right now, and I don't want to take this. This ain't going to be no no NFL football episode, but I just got to call that out. My man Colin yeah, Kaepernick bro. is unemployed in the NFL and highly effective. Super Bowl <sighs> caliber see, quarterback. That's... that's- that's my problem, bro. Like, I, I feel like we're living in a time where no matter what, this white savior complex comes running for the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I feel like all of a sudden, what began as rightful outrage for millions of reasons that stack upon millions of reasons um, has it started to become white people reporting on <laughs> on white protesters who are getting you know mistreated by white policemen and once again the focus or let's 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 look at this like it was a um, a stage play right the spotlight is being taken off of the black community i have a problem with that because at the at the core of, of that's that's why I said what I said earlier about the message, bro. Like in all of this, the point is stop killing our people. That's that's the point. Like, like at at like if you want to name one point at least, you know, or the main point from this past week, you know, because of George Floyd, because of Ahmaud Arbery, because of of so many others before them. That's the that's the first point. But yet all the layers that come with it, you know, that translate to racism. And yet we're reporting on, you know, or we're showing and and the media is thriving on clashes between protesters that really don't even look like us straight up. Like if, if we're really being honest, because it's rare that they're showing peaceful protests from us. But even the ones that are outraged don't even look like us. And the people inciting the violence, yet again, are white cops. And the people that are um, adding their two cents on the issues are white media. And it's bothering me, bro, because I feel like we aren't even being given an opportunity to have the voice. But it kind of goes back to what J.D. said. It's, It's like maybe I don't I mean, I don't know, like where who do we point to to be that voice for our whole community right now? And that honestly is a big question because I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, do y'all know the answer? No, I, I, I don't know the answer at all, man. Um, 
But what I will say is that I think part of the problem is we we, we tend to point the finger. Um, and I think what what needs to happen How so? is that, and, and when I say point the finger, I mean a lot of times you see the general public will say, well, what did this celebrity have to think about the situation? What did this athlete have to think about the situation? And while I understand that they have influence and people look toward them for influence, I don't think it's their responsibility to always speak up for for our community. I think we need qualified people um, speaking up. I think that's what matters. And now every now and then it may be a situation where someone can come in and kind of blend both worlds. Like, for example, I think a, um, a killer Mike is someone that kind of, he, he blends both worlds. He's someone that he, he follows the political space. And he's also a person of influence that happens to be a rapper and, and a business owner. Right. But I don't think that every time something comes up, we have to run and say, like, what does Michael Jordan have to think? What does LeBron have to say? What does this person have to say? And, you know, and we negate the fact that these people are dealing with some of the same issues that we're dealing with as well. So I think we need someone that a is qualified to answer those questions. And I mean, that person doesn't have to necessarily be in politics, but they have to have a passion for for unifying people and also knowing how to to strategize and 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 get people together. Right. That could be any field like someone like Tory. And I don't want to throw you out there, Tory, but you're in a position of power where you know how to come up with strategies and, and rally up people. Right. I think that what we might have to end up doing is, is also having a collection of leaders where you have people with their different spheres of influence come together and team up for one common goal, you know, but that, that's another thing of trying to pull all these people together. But I don't know, Brian, what, what, what do you, you know, what's your thoughts, man? Nah, I mean, I think you're completely right because we just gotta, we gotta inform ourselves and be be diligent about that. And it's really, like you said, it's really our personal responsibility. Uh, one, so that we know what the issues are, um, so we can figure out how to address them. But then two, so we can filter um, properly on who we should be listening to, who we should be leaning our resources towards, and who we should, should support. Um, because, yeah, man, I mean, for me, I've been looking at protests all month, like, in Europe and China. And so now when it comes to the U S if, if you've only seen the U S protest this month, you think like, man, black people are crazy. Right. But I've been seeing protests all month and it's not, it's not that I'm more cultured or anything. It's just part of, it's actually just part of my job to kind of like pay attention to what's going on because we have employees internationally. So I think that, um, for me, it was also, so when I see the stories, I have a different perspective because of what I've been experiencing this month, but um, I, I still should be doing better. Like, you know, um, everybody says vote and yeah, you know, but then what? Like if, if voting is the bar, then we're still in trouble. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's still got to be, I mean, me, me, me personally, like town hall attendance or 
mm-hmm. or school meetings, all that stuff, we need to be in attendance and we need to be present. So I think um, it's almost like a, a learning curriculum. We got to figure that out on how to be present and educated in these things. Right now, we're just we're, we're active, like we'll go vote. But like, how do we continue to educate ourselves so so we can see what's coming in the future? How do we be present so we can hear these conversations that are happening before the polls come and then there's a situation. So I think we, I think we got to be more present and yeah, man, I just think we got to pay attention to the right leaders because I get when you don't understand something, if someone speaks with a certain like uh, swagger or finesse, or if they're able to communicate, you're probably going to draw to them because they're, they're feeding you some information. So it's natural to, um, to lean towards those people because it feels, it feels edifying, but that may not necessarily be the right source. What I don't want to see from this whole situation is just, I mean, us continuing in this same cycle. Um, you know, we we're all hype about, um, the, the situation, you know, a week or two pass and and we're back to our normal life until the next yeah. black man get killed and i mean it doesn't hit hard for me because it, that hasn't happened you know to someone close to me but i don't want to wait until it happens to someone close to me or even happening to myself um it it's just that we we can't keep doing the same things over and over um, because we see that we're not getting anywhere, even for myself. I'm like, man, like what, what can I do? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a celebrity. I don't have this, uh, social media presence, um, to get people to try to think about different ways, how we can approach the situation. But what I can do personally is, Hey, I can pay more attention to things going on in my neighborhood, the the local elections, trying to get the right people voted in locally, who's going to push the agendas forward to have, you know, uh, uh, more rules set in place for police brutality. Mm. Um, but I just don't want to, it's five, 10 years down the road and we, we still having the same conversation and nothing is moving forward to, to, um, to solving the problems that we have right now. I think that's some some good points, though, uh, Corey. Uh, but I think it does begin with those local elections. Um, because if you don't have people in, in places of power that can actually effectuate on, on the plan or on how you view or your viewpoints of, of issues, then you, you can't even begin to... Uh, to push forward for change. So I think that, you know, that is the starting point, but to what Brian was speaking about earlier, it goes deeper than that. You know, not only do you have to be a participant in voting and not just your national elections, but your local elections, which are more important to me than your national elections, you have to be also actively involved and engaged in the process. So that's from beginning to end. That's not just the voting. It's like Brian said, it's like going to the town hall meetings. It's like going to the board of education meetings. It's like going to, uh, whatever the public forums that your local community have, you need to be actively involved and expressing your thoughts and your opinion. 
So that's what you can do on a basic civic side of the of, of the coin is that, you know, we we have to be more involved and more active if we want to see these changes. And until that happens, um, I, 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 don't, I, I honestly don't know how do we move from where we are now, because otherwise um, it's kind of like you said, um, um, I think it was either uh, Corey or Brian that said earlier that, you know, I don't want to get into seeing the same thing happen over and over and over again. We march, we protest. I say you this. Know, things get better. I, I I say this, man. I I one thing that on one end it it hurts my heart to see, but at the same time it inspires me more than I can say. I love the fact that I'm seeing a younger generation rise up right now, like, and they they're not taking no for an answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and and the reason why I say it's heartbreaking is because I hate the fact that they actually have to be faced with this reality. The same reality that we were faced with and our parents were faced with and their parents were faced with and, and 400 plus years, you know, have been faced with and so on and so forth. But I'm thankful that there's a, a passion that honestly... Um, I'm not going to compare it to another era, but I'll say it's new. You know what I'm saying? Like it has this newness to it. And th- and let's be honest, like this moment right now has, it's different. Like it's, it's in our lifetime, at least like, like I've never seen um, a response for us like this. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've never witnessed anything like that. It's compelling. It's, it, it's a force to be reckoned with. And and low key is ready for war, bruh. And and I'm thankful to see like it appears to be led, or at least not led, but the, the people on the front lines who are willing to go hard is the young generation. Like they're like, we're not doing this, bro. Like, like we ain't about that. You know? And I don't know, Chris. Like, I mean, I know you and your wife kind of had an opportunity to go out and uh and protest the other day. Like maybe you could talk to you like what 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 that was like. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because it kind of hits on a lot of uh, what we're discussing. I mean, so you know, caveat it was it was it was a little harrowing for us on a number of reasons because as you know, Chris was you know environmental science PhD epidemiologist, so we were already really kind of nervous about the whole COVID situation because it's very real. Um, but then I really reflected on. There are just moments that are a little bigger uh, than than that, and yes, I, I'm, I'm I'm my faith, and I'm just tr- I'm just trusting God. I'm just trusting that because I went out and yeah, I stood in solidarity with uh, brothers and sisters and folks who are out there um, showing that force that I, I got to take my chances. So there's that. But we went out there, man, and. It was at the it's, White House, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. I mean, because you got everyone out there. So what I'll say that I definitely appreciated was how many more white individuals and allies that I saw than uh, under normal circumstances. We've gone out to a couple of other protests. Um, we in Washington, D.C., so there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on post-2016. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I make that statement. Um, yeah. But this one was just different, right? Like, you had some real energy that was out there. There was some anger, like real rage, real anger, but it wasn't like we, you know, it wasn't like violence, but it was, it was like kindling, like 
any literal mm. thing could set it off. Mm. Um, and, and, and you could feel that. Right. And so that was, that was, I mean, just, you had to, you had to be there to experience it. Um, I will say that overall the protests where I was at the day that I was out there on the Saturday seemed a little disorganized in nature, but I think that's just because there are good hearted people who are trying to mobilize right now. And because that younger generation is not necessarily tapped in with maybe some of the older generation or people who have done this, that they're just like, look, we got to do it. Because I think right now you got, once again, the more, you know, older, more sensible, structured organizations that are like, all right, it's still a pandemic out here. So we got to figure out like the, the right way so that we don't get yeah. called out. We don't get called to the carpet for trying to mobilize in the midst of a pandemic. But you got people who are young, which is like, nah, forget that. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going I'm to take my risk anyway. Yeah, at all costs. At all yeah. costs, right? And so you got that energy. Um, the last point that I'll say that I was actually a little disheartened by, and it kind of fits appropriately with why the protests are taking place and why we're out there. There were cops and police out there, I believe Secret Service, because we were out in Lafayette Square near the White House. The day before, the perimeter was closer to the White House and it was pushed out. So they were trying to keep people really, really away from the White House. But there were cops and riot gear in lines boxing in mm. the, the protest. And that sent an ominous message of we, we will be ready to st- st- snuff out this dissent at any moment's notice. And I didn't really like that energy. Right. Like mm. you take a look at the juxtaposition of how Minneapolis has responded, in my opinion, disproportionately to black and brown and these protesters versus in Michigan where you have people pulling up with machine guns. And I might've said this on another podcast, but it has to be said again, because like the juxtaposition of that is crazy. You have literal armed individuals spitting, yelling, hollering, got their, got the gun over mask and social distance and shutdown orders for a pandemic for their own health and well-being. And here you have people protesting for a life being taken, and they're getting hit with tear gas and rubber bullets. Something's got to give on that. So I am of the sense, because I'm not that type of guy. Y'all know me, right? But sometimes destruction builds something beautiful. Um, And once again, I'm not condoning Mm. anything. I'm not saying I'm about that. I am only just saying I can, I, I get it. Like, J.D., you said the other day, I understand. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, understand it. I, I definitely understand. You, like, a, you know what it is, man. I, I I thought about this a lot, and um, I'm trying not. I'm gonna try my best not to like parallel someone's situation, like, so I can. I don't want to belittle or kind of draw a correlation with other people in their life, but it's almost like um with these young people, they've seen two generations of people live in a dysfunctional relationship, an abusive relationship. Mm. And so they like, Mm. wait, you want me to walk in the house and like get beat up to? Nah, I'm just going to hit him first, or I'm just going to hit that person first, or I'm going to fight back. And you know what I'm saying? I think they, their angst in that and their action is because 
They've witnessed the American dream, go to school, this and that, for us to be handcuffed by student loans and for us to be handcuffed by predatory loaning, uh, lending and for us to be handcuffed by uh, rezoning of schools and for us yeah. to be handcuffed by, uh, you know what I mean, so many different policy changes and for us to be, I think they have seen it happen to the people that they love for so long that something broke in them this week. Yeah, they just and like so even we're now, not going for it no more. Yeah, yeah. Cle- even now, it's like they're protesting that's, clearly that's in not Europe. Working. Clearly, that's not working. And so, even now, with Europe, it's like the Black Lives Matter movement is protesting in Europe in solidarity with the people in the United States. And it's just like, yeah, it's clearly that's not working. And I think that's where they're standing. And you know, a lot comes with that. And so, yeah, it's like, like JD said, we got to go back to, I understand. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I truly understand. Another thing though, man, um, I think is important. Even if you're not, um, willing to go out and and participate in, in the peaceful protest, I think it's, it's important to at least go out and see what's going on. Because I think a lot of times the media can dictate a certain narrative and you don't find out until you start speaking with people who are on the front line, so to speak, and realize that things are either A, not as bad as they are or not as as good as they are. And, And I say that specifically for Atlanta because I watched the news and... On the news, you would have thought the city was on fire. I mean, my parents calling me like, yeah, man, I I thought, uh, you know, this happened, that happened. You know, my parents were going to come up and try to um, socially distance and visit the grandkids. And they decided not to come because, you know, the media is saying like Atlanta is on fire. And the reality is, is, you know, everything that they kept showing on the news was one block. (laughs) Right. It was one block that that people were at and. Uh, things got a little, you know, riled up, sort of. But speak. that's the point, JD. That's what I'm talking about too. You're right, though, because even in, in, like, I don't want to stay on it too long, but I mean, even here in DC, what I didn't say was also through the entire day, someone organized here a caravan, a pro, a caravan protest. So cars with signs that were either plastered on the windows or hanging out of the doors, and people hanging out there holding up signs and then honking their horns. I mean, just complete um, civil agitation just from disrupting with the traffic flow and blowing their horns mm-hmm. and in caravans the right way, right? But, I mean, did any of y'all hear about that all the way in Atlanta? No. You know what I'm saying? Not. Like, you, you're hearing of these little pockets of where there's a little bit of, you know, looting and, and some of these types of things that are going on in these real, real, real small pockets. And that's what some of these... I would say negative forces are trying to hinge on. They, they want those types of stories to be amplified when the majority, I mean, I, I showed y'all the photos, right? Like people were just out there. People were out there yelling the names of these victims and saying, you know, we want justice. We want peace. We don't want police brutality. And that's, that, that's it. Um, yes. You had some people out there maybe defacing property and things of that nature. But I think our listeners need to understand that, when you open up these avenues for protests that you don't know what you're going to get out there. You got people with other yeah, agendas, right, right. You got people with, with, with other intentions. And that's just actually a part of it. Quite honestly. Yeah. Period. And no, you know, I, so I, I understand know. that. I understand that. Hey, it's war. Tactics. Tory. Um, so someone who 
is in the position that you're in, and Amy, you you are welcome to speak on the position that you're in, but you are very close, in my opinion, to the situation. So from your from your perspective, um, like how are things? Like, what's the status from your perspective? I guess, sort of speak. So I I I, I think it's it's really complicated, and it's really a a a, a very nuanced. Um, type thing. And what I mean by that is because as a government official, it's about the greater good uh, for for most parts. And I I know Chris can attest to that since he he, he used to be a government official as well. And so it's about, you know, how can you do the greatest good uh, for people without harming the minority, right? Uh, But in a situation like this, when it's the reverse, where the minority is being impacted tremendously at a tremendous rate then you have to really kind of relook at your positioning right and so what you what you then have to do is like okay is it the system is it the policies or is it both mm. that's failing you know mm-hmm. because when, when it's really impacted people to such a degree the way it way it is across the country so i'm not gonna just draw it down to atlanta no one particular place but if you look across the country, you see these same patterns, these same issues pop up across the country as a whole. So now you have to look at the system itself to see where the biasness is coming from and how you can correct it. And until, and I hate to say it, but this loops right back around to some of the things we were saying earlier. Until you have people in place to address the systematic issues that are complicating the issue further, it's, it's, it's always going to be this dog chasing his tail type thing going on. But Tori, so, but Tori you said something very key that I want to point out, and I'm curious why it's hard for people to understand what's going on when you can look in Atlanta, can look in D.C., can look in Detroit, can look in Memphis, can look in Houston, can look in Phoenix, Arizona, can look in Denver, Colorado, can look in San Francisco, L.A., Oregon. You can look in every one of these places and the same behaviors and the same patterns are going on, yet you have people who claim that this isn't real and that it's overblown or like, nah, it's really not that bad. Yeah. No, I I, I think you're right. And... Sometimes, you know, this is just me just really trying to understand, trying to think from the other side, the other perspective. Sometimes it is it's it's the blind eye. You know, you get you you get so accustomed and so used to things that you don't really see the the negative side effects that that happens. Because what what one thing that we're always taught is that every policy that is implemented has a good and bad. But the problem is a lot of times they focus on the good, which is what they initially tried to push it forward for. And then they never really focus on the negatives because they don't want to say, oh, you know what? We was wrong for doing X, Y, and Z. And so I think that speaks to some of what you're talking about because that to me, that's the only logic, you know, and I'm a person of a logic. That's the only thing that logically makes sense is that you don't want to admit that this policy was wrong because now you have to pass something new or whatever the case might be to address it you know but 
to to that point, you know, I I and I want to flip it to the to the other side from a from a non-governmental standpoint. So Corey, from from your perspective, right? You know, from your interactions that you you know potentially have with uh, police officers and things of that nature, what do you see as the 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 issue or or the underlining contributor to to where we are now? So. The way I see it is, okay, yeah, us as black people, we, we have work to do to further the agenda, but there must be some accountability for someone that's not black. For example, there are many police officers. Good, I know a lot of good police officers, um, but when they see something that's going wrong or they see their counterpart, their empl- co-worker doing something wrong, don't just turn the other cheek because this is your fraternity or brotherhood. You're going to look out for each other. If you see something wrong, you need to point it out. You need to call it out. That That's going to help us too because we can't, you can, we're going to continue to be in a hole if, if people that are not black or brown are not speaking up for us when they see stuff and they know it's wrong or, you know, I don't want to get a bad reputation from among my people, so I'm not going to say anything. Like you, you got to step up to the plate too, um, in order to help us out. You know that that that's actually a good point, and 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 to that point, you know, Marlon from 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 the the clergy perspective, you know, yeah. from the from the from the faith side, how do you reconcile, you know, your faith and what you believe with? What's going on? You know how how, yeah. how 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 do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I um, Tori, that's a great question, man. And I'm sure so many people are wrestling in this moment with with their faith, with you know hope, or or seeking for hope, trying to find hope in uh, in the midst of despair, man. I look at it a few different ways, um, all of them collectively together, honestly. Um, A, I think first you have to be real honest with yourself about how you feel. You know, I I think that's extremely important. I don't believe, um, you know, the God that that I that I believe in, the Jesus that I follow, um, you know, or anybody who who has any belief. I don't think it's healthy in any setting to deny how you feel. You know, Um, I am furious i am i have had moments of of tears of rage of wanting vengeance of of shame of a xyz i've had i've had all you name it i've felt it and that's probably within a period of 24 hours to be honest with you um so for me it starts there in recognizing exactly how i feel but then from that from that space, I have to try to find a reconnection to reality and to what's truth. And overarching on all of this for me, from a faith standpoint, is that um, every great shift in humanity and every lasting change went through the fire first. You see what I'm saying? Um for some reason, black people have been put in a position um, during our time of existence 
where in America we've faced this for centuries, literally centuries. Um, I've often asked myself why, bro. I've often asked God why. Um, do I have the answers clearly? No. But do I know that I have character and lessons and and do I know that in this in the struggles that I have faced in my lifetime with the skin color that I have, um, do I know that it has made me the man that I am today? Absolutely. Um, do I know that I have a fight in me that's ready for the rest of my the breath that's in my body? Absolutely. So while every day that I wake up and I roll out of this bed as a black man and I realize that so much of this world hates me just because not knowing me, not taking the time to know me. Um, I am empowered by the reality that God made me this way for a purpose and for a reason. And that pushes me into the future with confidence in him and confidence in who I am in him. If that makes sense. Like, and then on top of that, knowing that I'm, that I'm walking forward and, um, and I have the chance to, to impact this stuff, man. Like, like I'm not here for no reason. And I ain't no punk with it either. You know, like I have a voice, I have pride in both being a, a child of God and also a black man. And, 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 and here's the, here's the thing, Tori and everybody else for real, like in all of this, um, I still have to, no, no, let me, let me rephrase that. I don't want to say I have to do anything. I choose to continue loving others. Even those that don't look like me in this time, hardest thing in the world, right? Like I have some, I have some close white friends, right? Um, thankfully they're, they're, they're good enough friends where in this time, which is, a, which is a, a litmus test. They've reached out to me just to check on me and just to say, I don't know how you feel right now, but bro, I just want you to know I love you. That means the world. But I also have a choice in that moment to respond with the same love. You know what I'm saying? They might not understand where I'm at. They might not even realistically be in a place where they truly get it. And I might just be their friend, but they might not even know how they're supposed to support a black man right now. But what I know is that no matter what, I have a responsibility to be a human to love other humans and to demand um, humanity for myself and others from anybody. And sometimes demanding that doesn't look like uh, rioting or protesting. Sometimes it does. But sometimes it simply looks like reminding people that I am human and that I love you and that we're living this life experience together um, and sometimes it's giving hope to people when, where there's no hope, so, like no hope found, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like, sometimes right. it's giving a fire within me when there's fire all around me, if that makes sense. So no, that, ma me. that makes good sense, man. I, I think that's, that's really dope and really deep. Um, and it really does show that internal struggle and that internal conflict that so many of us face not not just even on a spiritual level but just on a, a, a human level and so you know i i think that's great points that you made there and so chris uh, i think a, another side to that coin is how can entrepreneurs you know 
you know, uh, since we are black, let's talk from the minority to black perspective. How can entrepreneurs in this space and in this time, how can they contribute to this, to this, this, this time? And what does their voice look like? No, that's a real question. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot made of black businesses in this moment. And, you know, you have some folks who are just like, oh, you know, don't, don't destroy our black businesses and things of that nature. And I, I don't really want to go in that direction from the protest standpoint, but what I'll say from a pure enterprise standpoint, um, it is not okay to profit off of your community. If you're not also going to put in work in your community. So there, there are a lot of black businesses mm. and black business owners I'm seeing right now. And y'all know who I'm talking about because I'm not doing this ad hominem, everybody type of thing. But I'm talking about some who we support you no matter what. And you all get real silent on us when we need you the most. At least just mm. for if, if, if at anything, just for, your that, vo- just for your voice. And I think when I think. I'm gonna just. I'm. I'm not even gonna do the whole world of just the the small business and the consumer marketplace. I'm just gonna do the black business owners, and y'all know who I'm talking about because I'm talking to you, and I know you feel it. I need for you to show up. I need for the same energy that you hawking above one hundred dollars for merch, above thousand dollars for other types of luxury items, above whatever that we we doing what we need to do out here to every Saturday try to win a raffle to get some of these shoes and things of this nature, I need for y'all to speak up and at least use your platform to shine a light and say, I don't have the answers and or solutions, but here's who I know you can probably touch base with that can, and I'm going to work with them to come up with some solutions. That's what we can at least expect from you. So that's what I'll say in this moment. And then for to make it one, uh, not to just to go too much longer, but to make it a little more, uh, to, for it to hit home, kind of the regular um, entrepreneur, you know, like the, the everyday, the people that are keeping our communities together, the people that we look forward to do the things that we need to do. Just hold your head and keep keep pushing, keep fighting. Yeah, um, yeah. And because at the end of the day, in moments like this. The community always remembers who were by them, who were by their side. Facts. In Facts. these moments, yes. The, uh, memory, I'm you. memory goes a long way in these types of moments, and they remember. So I would just say, man, show up. Show up. Be present. Be present. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, tonight tonight was a very interesting conversation, man, but. One thing really stood out to me, and and it and it just clicked about maybe five minutes ago when Marlon said um, about his white friends. And while I can go on record and say I don't have like a lot of white friends, I have a lot of white coworkers, I have a lot of white associates, and I can firmly and very confidently say at this moment that not one have reached out and said anything to me. Mm. Mm. and man it just clicked when you said that marlon <laughs> like not one wow. now I, i'll give my but, i'll give bro, myself JD, let me say this real quick let me say this one thing jenny because i want you to continue that I, I literally i will tell you I, it's awkward for me 
because I'm in a new space, as y'all know, and I've gotten so many unsolicited, Chris, we don't know what to say. We're sending love your way. We just want to check in with you. We're here for you and hit us up if you like ever want to talk about anything. Yo, and let me be clear too on that, JD. I got the the message from some of them. Some of them I didn't want to respond to because I wasn't in the right mindset at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? That's a that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, and, yeah. And and I didn't. You know what I'm saying? And others I told them I was like, "Yo, I'm not I'm I can't talk right now." But the reality is I appreciated them at least Absolutely. realizing the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And, and with you saying that, it, it really put in perspective to me. And, and just for full transparency and accountability, that may say something about me. But overall, I still need to hear from you regardless. I still need, I, I need to hear from you. It, it's, I've had too many meetings. I've had too many emails. And I have not received one text, phone call, email, Zoom of any acknowledgement of what happened from my white counterparts. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Look, man, Black Man Think Podcast, we don't have all of the answers. We're still searching for the answers. But the important thing is we're searching. And I want to make that very Mm -hmm. clear. We don't have all of the answers. And, and some of this stuff, you know, you may be like me, someone who's not really into politics like that. And come, it, it took me turning in my 30s to actually start really waking up and paying attention to things. And that's okay. You, you come, your come to glory moment is whenever it is. But I think it's important that we at least have the conversations within our circles and so we can use those different tools that are in our circles to build up a community and find a real agenda of what we have to do like i said at the very start of this podcast i know three things for sure i'm tired of seeing black people being killed i'm tired of white police officers killing people and we need leadership that has a real clear and precise agenda this is the Black Man Thing Podcast, man. Make sure y'all subscribe, rate, and review. Continue to tell people. Continue to engage with us through comments. Man, we're trying to have very important conversations for our community. Um, and that message is not spread without you, the listener. So thank you once again. See y'all next week. The Black Black Men Men Think Think Podcast. Podcast.